and we'll put like, you know, palm tree pictures on the walls and stuff. And everyone would come just to see how ridiculous that looks, wouldn't they? Wow, you guys didn't, I thought that was a good idea. Apparently not. Baptistry? Yeah, if you're the holiest person can sit on a float in the baptistry while I preach. No? It might make the daily, it might. I bet we'd get some letters from some other churches if, they saw, if we did that. Oh my gosh. Whew. I know a lot of folks, anyone going out, out of town this week for spring break? A few of y'all are just going out. Work, Steve? Yeah. We got some folks on Zoom today over there, Kyle? Yeah? Awesome. All righty. When you get the chance, if you pull up my first slide, that would be fantastic. There we go. Okay, so last week we talked a little bit about, and I mentioned for this next several weeks, we'll see how long this goes. Uh, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And I showed this picture last week, and I just want to show it again because so often we don't recognize how important the two are together, right? Like we'll focus maybe on the fruit and, and not really recognize how important the gifts that the Spirit gives us. On the flip side, I've been places where the gifts of the Spirit are very prevalent, and yet we forget, hey, the fruit, gentleness, <laughs> self-control, right? These types of things, patience. And so seeing those things together, that's, that is a, who God is. That's, that's His Spirit. His Spirit gives us the gifts, and He gives us the fruit, character, who He is. So if you go to the next slide, the first thing we're going to talk about today, Lauren mentioned is joy. That was, that was weak sauce. Man. Jeez. All right. Well, good. Well, I'm about to bring it now. Talking about, no, just kidding. <laughs> All right. So joy. I'm going to talk about two fruits of the Spirit and then three gifts. I'm going to finish up the gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 today. I'm going to put the fruits at the beginning, at the end, and the gifts will be as the meat in the middle of the sandwich. How about that? Does that sound good to y'all? The fruit, and actually probably the thing I will talk about the most today, though, is joy. All right, because I started looking at joy and I started my study of joy. Anyone ever done a study on joy in the Bible? A few of you. See, most of the time we've had someone just tell us, well, this is what, this is what joy is. And I started, you know, and instead of actually looking at what the word says, and I think sometimes, not that it's wrong, but I think we often get this incomplete version of what joy is. And oftentimes it goes like this. Who's heard this? There's happiness, and happiness is based on our circumstances, and joy is not based on our circumstances, and we just always have joy, right? We've heard, has anyone ever heard that like a thousand times? No. All right. That's not entirely wrong, but I think it's an incomplete version of what the Bible has of what true biblical joy is. And what's so important is this is a fruit of the Spirit. This cool thing happened this week. It doesn't happen all the time, but I was having, I worked out, getting my pump on, you know, and uh, me, Tavares, Seth, and Ethan, this guy, went to old Margarita's over there. You know where Margarita's is, a uh, Mexican restaurant. By the way, if you didn't realize, they have a $6.99 all-you-can-eat lunch. Now, that's just like tacos and chalas. There's like 10 items on that bad boy. It's the deal in Murfreesboro. I'm serious. You have to find it on the page, but $6.99. Okay, anyways, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. But we walked in the door. And there's a guy that's just kind of sitting there kind of behind the, the, ca the counter. And we walk in and he goes, man, what's the deal with you guys? You guys are so full of like joy 
and your peppy and all these things. And uh, we're like, I don't know. Like, I don't think we were, we weren't doing anything like gr- crazy or anything. We weren't like, hey, what's going on? Or like acting super excited. He said, what did y'all do? Win the lottery? And then my friend had the line. Ethan had the line. He said, we won the lottery 2,000 years ago. I thought that was pretty good. A little cheesy, but pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny because he said, he's, he was like, man, he's like, I've been watching people come in here all day, and most people have got their heads down, or they're looking at their phone, or they're doing this. And like, there was just something different about you guys when you walked in with, with joy together. And like, I just noticed it on you. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that's been one of my, one of the Holy Spirit's best evangelistic tools for me personally. Like, if I look at, like, the lives that have been impacted, many of them saw a group of people just enjoying each other and going, what's the deal with that, <laughs> right? Joy. Joy is super, super exciting. So the Greek word here is kara, or kara, which is in the same family as charisma, which is one of the terms that Paul uses for gifts of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? So, wow, we should actually be joyful of the gifts of the Spirit, and there's this joy that we have in that. Some of the definitions of it, whenever you look, and I went back and I went through and uh, looked at the Hebrew, and gladness, pleasure, exaltation, merriment, delight. I think we, for, we just don't focus on the fact, Lauren is right, oftentimes when joy is mentioned, it's with singing and it's with dancing. It's with being in the presence of God and being in the presence of people and actually having a good time. Seriously, like, you know, it's not just this state of being where I'm just always at joy, I'm at peace. I mean, that's, it's good that we have this constant joy we can in the Lord, and it's because of the Lord that we can have joy, but let's just go to the next slide. I decided to pull up the first four mentions of joy in the entire Bible. That way I'm not picking and choosing, I'm just going to just figure it out, pull them up. Next slide, someone's spinning around, is that Jonah? All right, Jonah, you got this. All right, Genesis 31, this is whenever Jacob and Leah and Rachel are running away from Laban because Laban's done, changes wages a bunch of times. And they're like, I'm done with this. Laban catches up and says, why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing and to the music of timbrels and harps? So the very first mention in the Bible has to do with this idea of celebration, harps, singing, all these things. In Leviticus 9 has to do with the sacrifice, David mentioned sacrifice, um, for sin, for the priests, and for the people of God, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all people saw it, they shouted for joy. Woohoo! We can shout. What happened to our shouters? You know, we used to have shouters. You know, we would sing some of those songs and you woo! We don't have as many shouters anymore. It's okay. I know everyone expresses their joy differently, and that's true. Uh, but here they shouted for joy. They also fell face down. So there was like this reverence for the Lord mixed with this, uh, in, in addition to this shouting for joy. But you see this expressive thing, this joy of the Lord. <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 16, it's just talking about the festival of booths. Be joyful at your festival. So there's this like festive thing about joy. I don't know why we don't talk about this enough. You, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, and Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows. This is a party for everyone. Have fun. Enjoy it. This is a festival, and it's for all. I just love that. Love it. The fourth one, God gets real serious here, because this is, go to the next slide, son. The next one has to do with whenever blessings and cursings are being given to the Israelites. You're going to be blessed for this, cursed for that. Next slide, son. 
It's just like at home, huh? If it was home, I'd be laying the smack down now. I'd have done told you twice. It's his birthday this week, so I'll have to be a little bit nicer to him. Just kidding. I'm not going to read all this, this I, I, but I'm going to just kind of start here in the middle. But this is actually in the midst of these, these, the curses. He said, because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve your enemies, all these things. So part of this, in the midst of talking about curses, he says, you all, I wanted you not to just serve me, but to serve me with joy and to serve me with gladness. And he was frustrated with them. I guess, to say the least, because they didn't. They were having times of prosperity, and they were just, well, God wants us to serve him joyfully. He wants us to serve him in gladness, right? That doesn't mean that there are not times that are hard, right, at all. In fact, what's the next slide? Next slide, please. What are you doing back there, Jonah? Yeah, but you're like moving around a lot. Are you like playing some game or something while you're trying to do the slides? Okay, I just want to make sure. I can check on him, right? <laughs> okay, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8 real quick. Because we just sang, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know where they get that from? Nehemiah chapter 8. And Nehemiah chapter 8 is during circumstances that ain't the best. The ain't, that are not the best. This is where the Israelites in Nehemiah get released from Babylonian captivity, come back to Jerusalem and see this city is in ruins. Like it's in the walls are jacked up. Like and, and, and like think about how that would feel, right? Your people have been in captivity. You're finally released from it. You back go back to your hometown, the place where God's presence should be dwelling, and it's just in ruins. The walls are messed up, and it's just like, what are you, what's happening here? And so what happens is Ezra begins, brings out the book of the law and begins to read the book of the law to the people. I'm going to start in verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Isn't that interesting? Just stop for a second. Because I think sometimes we get in our mind that things holy to the Lord is a time of Always, always has to be a time of repentance and weeping and mourning. Sometimes it is, right? I'm not like there are times. There are times for those things, but here Nehemiah is saying, "Listen, it's the day holy. Stop your weeping." And they should. I mean, there's a reason to weep. They're weeping because the 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 city is destroyed, and now they're reading the law and they're going, "Oh my gosh! I realize why we've been in captivity for so long. We've been disobeying God." But uh, but Nehemiah says, "Nope, stop, stop that." For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So that was it. They're sitting there hearing this going, we've messed it up. Oh my gosh. And they're broken because of that. Verse 10 says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those who have nothing prepared, or nothing to, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's saying, again, this is a holy day, so drink wine and eat and go give it away to those who can't. That's, I don't know, but I can get down with that Bible. I'm pretty excited about that, huh? 
He has to tell them in verse 11, it says, so the Levites stilled the people, said, be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved again. Basically, calm down, everyone. There's this weeping, everyone's mourning, calm down, this is a holy day. God wants, and they're celebrating here the festival of booths, which is exactly the last thing that I was, uh, the second to last thing that we were sharing in Deuteronomy, where God called his people. There were times when God said, celebrate, come before me, eat, drink, have fun the joy of the Lord. So in that context, we're saying that's the joy of the Lord. Yes, there are times, and the Lord was speaking to me this morning about that for myself, even personally recognizing that, man, there's just times whenever I go through tough stuff. And there are times to weep. There are times to grieve. There are also times in the midst of that to go, maybe I should ask the Lord for some joy in the midst of this. Like, maybe I should just celebrate God, even though, God, my heart hurts, but I'm still going to celebrate you. I'm still going to rejoice in you. And these contexts are all with other people. Like, I think that's what, I think, man, we just, we, if I can go into a Mexican restaurant with four guys and I do nothing special, and someone say, wow, there's something real special about you, where have we gotten? I mean, I'm just saying, our, our society, we have just, we've got our joy sucked out of us, have we not? <laughs> we're isolated, we're all these things, man. If we're with the people of God and we're full of joy, it will make a difference. Go to the uh, next slide. It'll be the last thing I, I believe I talk about. God, on it. You were on it that time. Way to go. Jesus, in John chapters 15, 16, and 17. Chuck, I know you love those chapters. I love those too. And he has this great prayer, this intimate prayer for that, um, that he prays to the Father. And in that, he says that he wants his disciples' joy to be made full multiple times. More than this. He wants to complete our joy. And I just I pulled out several of the things, these main things that he was praying for. Jesus himself wants our joy to be full. He wants us to have joy. He says, remain in the same context. He says in chapter 15, I believe, yes, remain in my love. And he says how to do that? By keeping his commandments. And in the midst of that same thing, he says, I want you to ask whatever you wish so that my joy can be complete in you. So us looking, setting our eyes on Jesus and resting in his love and obeying what he tells us to do and asking what he wishes. Why is he saying ask? Because he wants to give. Because he's a giver. Why? So that we can have full joy. In fact, in 16, he says, basically, ask whatever you want in my name. Why? So that your joy may be full. Like he's saying, I want you to ask. Until now, you've not asked anything in my name, is what he says. Ask and you receive that, that your joy may be full. So like God literally saying, I want to fill you with gladness, and he's given us a part to play. You need to ask me, and ask me in my name. Ask the Father in my name, because he wants our joy to be full. And in 17, he tell, he's praying to the Father, says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one even as we are one. And in that same context, he says that their joy may be full. So him saying that the Father, he's praying that the Father would protect us and that we would come so united that it would, fill our, it would bring us joy. Because joy, again, if you read through this, is so connected with our relationship with God, the only reason we can have it, and each, and each other, and each other, that we would be one, that, we would have, we, that to have the fullness of God's joy, we've got to be one with one another. Woo! It's exciting, huh? All right. Joy. We going to have some joy this morning? Let's go. Come on. Father, fill us with your joy, Lord. Let us ask that right now, Lord. I just, 
I ask, Father, that you would fill us with your joy even when circumstances are difficult, even when they're trying. Lord, I'm not asking that we would ignore the circumstances or lie about them, but Lord, that in the midst of even challenging times that we would be able to, to celebrate you, to rejoice in you, to recognize, Father, that no matter what happens in this life, that, Lord, that forever we'll get to dwell in your kingdom. That, Lord, that, that, that you are with us, that you have asked the Father to protect us, that you've asked the Father to make us one, that you've asked us to ask you, you asked us to ask you things so that you can fulfill those requests. And I just, I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew. I'm excited about joy. I, I'm telling you, I, I was just getting, I hope, I could actually probably, I feel like I didn't do justice to it. I could probably preach for several sermons on this. I hope at least today, I just whet your appetite a little bit to go start studying because I think it, the Bible mentions joy over 400 times. If I'm not like, it's just all over it. Rejoice, rejoice, be joyful, glad, and all this good stuff. Ha! Ah, all right, so next slide. Here we go. I'm going to flip back over to Ephesians chapter 1. I told you we were going to share, talk about the fruit, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, talk about the fruit of the Spirit in conjunction with the gifts of the Spirit. And I think that that is so important because, man, we need some joy with the gifts of the Spirit. I've seen some people have some gifts and they're just, I'm like, man, goodness gracious. It sounds like, it looks like that gift is a curse. <laughs> it doesn't look too exciting. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to remind us that in the midst of this, that Paul is telling us that Jesus ascended, and when he ascended, he took captivity itself captive, and boom, he distributes gifts to us. And in this passage, he's going to mention five gifts that he's given to the church. Last week, we talked about um, apostles, and we talked about prophets. This week, we're going to do the th other three, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And why is this? Why did he give them? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of full stature of Christ. So the gifts of the Spirit are not given so that I can say, well, I am Pastor John. Everyone, you better listen to me. The gifts of the Spirit are given as gifts to us, and if for the gifts that we have are used to build up the church so that we become Christ, so that we reach the fullness of the measure of Christ, so that the world sees us together and they literally see Christ, His Spirit dwelling in us and us working together. That's why we have the gifts. So when you say, I've got that gift, it's not for you, it's for the body. It's, you're part of the body but it's so that you can build up other people, so that you can encourage other people, so that you can use your gift so that the body of Christ becomes fullness, fully mature in Christ. That's exciting. And that's a lot different than the way we talk about the gifts. I was thinking about this this morning is oftentimes some of us have traditions that we've grown up and we've been uh, afraid to talk about the gifts. You know, anybody ever know, like it's kind of one of those things where we're unsure about them. It's kind of like the book of Revelation where we don't talk about it much because I don't really know what's going on over there. 
Sometimes that's been like that with the gifts of the Spirit. On the flip side, some of us, and myself included, have grown up hearing all about the gifts of the Spirit almost every single Sunday. You know, we're talking about it, and it's good. There's some really good stuff with it, but also I've experienced seeing kind of abuses and people making them things that they're not. And when I started studying the Word, I started going, where do you get that? You know, like, is that really the way the gift's supposed to be used? Or some head scratchers that really kind of frustrated me, honestly, in my young 20s. I was like, Ugh, what's going on? They were never meant to be like that. I think I'm, I'm titling this sermon, Fruits, Fruit, and Demystifying the Gifts of the Spirit. And when I say demystify, that doesn't mean taking the spiritual out. That just means making something complex or simplifying, like making it simple to understand. Because last week after I got done speaking, I thought y'all were kind of sleepy last week, but I had more people talk to me about how good they thought the message was than it's been in a long time. So I guess I was having not a really good spirit of discernment or something. I guess that's not one of my gifts. Just kidding. <laughs> Joke. But I had several people come up to me and said, you made it seem, you simplified it to where it's easy for, for me to understand. Maybe I've been afraid of the subject. And so let's, let's just simplify what this is. And I think the church, a lot of the church has made it way overly complex. Made it so complex that people are scared to death to say, well, maybe I have an evangelistic gift. Because you know what evangelist means? It means bringer of good news. You know, we hear that and we Picture like Billy Graham at a pulpit preaching to 40,000 people, right? That's great. I love Billy. But that, that's not the only way to use the gift of evangelism. Like, have we ever used it? I want us to think through, because I want us to ask ourselves, do we, maybe, do we potentially have these gifts? And maybe we haven't even recognized it in ourselves. Are you like one of those persons that whenever you get into something, you just got to tell everyone about it? Any of y'all? What are you laughing about? Because you know I am. She's laughing. I can't get anything. I got a new shampoo that's awesome. I got to tell everyone about how great my shampoo is. It's a, it's a, she's rolling her eyes because it's annoying to her, and I, I probably understand that. Does anybody else do that or no? No, you got like a new app you downloaded. You're like, Brandon, you got to try this app, bro. This, is, this app is sweet. I was going to say sick, but that's like the kids' terms, you know. That app's that's sick, bro. It was sweet. If you are that type of person, you might have this gift because that's, you know how people say that, like, man, you're just, you're just, evan- you're just like an evangelist for that product or something like that, right? But evangelism, this does have to do with bringing the good news of the kingdom. So it is possible, too, that maybe you're good at sharing other things, but maybe you're good at some of the other things because God has gifted you here, and you just need to put it, as Paul told Timothy last week, into practice. See, whenever I talk about evangelism, I... I whenever you speak in front of people, something, something that you get to learn, no matter how many times you say something, people sometimes just hear what they want to hear. Yeah, you ever heard that before? You ever done that? You're like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I promise you this is what I'm saying. <clears throat> and I've recognized that oftentimes, not, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat there, that oftentimes, no matter in small groups or large group setting, when I talk about evangelism, people keep picturing that whenever I talk about it, it means I have to go up to people and just start preaching the gospel to everyone I meet. I do not do that. Okay, if the Holy Spirit tells me to, sure, I will do that, right? And I don't think I'm particularly gifted in evangelism. I would say, uh, like, Seth is much more gifted in it than I am. But what does he do? Like, if I, <clears throat> if I don't know you, all right, you've experienced this. You ever just been sitting around and someone comes up to you and tries to talk to you about a product or something like that, and you don't know them, and you're, first, you're immediately turned off? Yes? No? I, I am. I'm like, what do you want? What, you know, what are you trying to do to me? You know, what, what's, the, what's the bait and switch, right? You're always thinking those things. 
And that's that. And so sometimes we treat we have seen people treat the gospel like that, and because of that, we get f- afraid of evangelism, like we're scared. It just means that you bring good news to people. And what Seth or, uh, will do oftentimes is he just befriends people, and because he loves the Lord, the Lord comes up, right? It's like in a conversation, sometimes it's not until two or three times after he meets him that the Lord just comes up somehow. You know, they ask him about something, and he's like, well, this. And then in a very organic and natural way, he shares the good news of what Christ has done for him. He shares his testimony or whatever it may be, right? So ask yourself, do you, do you have that? Do you have that gift? And maybe you've been using it, and maybe the Lord wants you, like maybe you've been using it for products or whatever, but God wants you to, to, begin to begin to walk in more practice of using it for him and for his kingdom. All right? Evangelist, you bring good news to people. That's it. All right? You know evangelist is only mentioned one person. That's Philip the evangelist in New Testament. And Paul tells Timothy to do the work of the evangelist. But it's not really spoke about a whole, whole lot. It just means you bring good news. Next slide. The next thing that he brings up after evangelist didn't hear me at all, right? <clears throat> next slide. Oh, he's blamed it on Nathan. He just he just Adam and Eve Nathan right then. <laughs> it's the woman that you gave me. I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, I'm that's real though. I mean, like, hey man. Like, that's inside us. We're going to blame other people all the time. There we go. I think while evangelism or evangelist can be very misunderstood because it's like, oh, I'm the evangelist and I have to preach in front of this many people and all this stuff. No. I think pastor is really misunderstood in the um, at least American church because what's happened with the gift of pastor, oh, I think, I think <laughs> daddy, way to go, Kyle. Kyle just kicked him out. <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> oh, Calinarial took over. Oof. All right. Let me compose myself again. I'm so, I'm actually, yeah, okay. Pastor, what have we done with the, with the term pastor? You know what pastor means? Shepherd. It's super simple. What does a shepherd do? He takes care of the sheep. Leads the sheep to, to still waters. Right? That's what we have made pastor the CEO, the marketing director, the CFO, the everything for a church. Basically, what we've done is said, we're going to pay you to do our job, and you do it great. Uh oh, I know. I just have, and the pastor said, well, sure, I'll take the money. I mean, that's, I'll just be real. <laughs> and there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with paying you know, leaders to do some of these things. Paul talks about those things. What I'm saying is we have made it something that's not, y'all. And what's happened is, is there are people that have the gift that aren't expressing it because you haven't called them that. Because we feel like you have to have a position in a church as this. Do you care about people a lot and take care of them? Has God given you that gift? See, there are some people that are on the evangelistic, and I tell you, my evangelistic gifted friends are usually on to the next thing kind of people. Like, hey, I got this, okay, okay. And I'll have to get on to them because I'm like, did you talk to that person? Are you making disciples? Are you just, you know, spitting seed and forgetting to bring people along? And they're on to the next person. They're on the next person. And if you work in in conjunction with pastor types, that's great. Some of y'all are going, man, that evangelism, like, that's tough. But, man, if you give me some people to just take care of, I love that. Right? I love taking care of sheep. I love teaching. I love seeing people grow. 
that you might have, you might have this gift. And I know the shepherds here are not going to say, well, if you're not called a shepherd, then you better not do that. I know their hearts. They would, <laughs> they'd be like, man, take care of each other. That's what we're called to do. I think there's actually a lot of people with that gift here. I really do, because I think that there's a lot of caring in this church. And caring to see the sheep grow and excel and, and, and be who God has called them to be. So I just want to encourage you with that. Like, I want you to ask yourself, do I have that in my heart? Do I have this desire to take care of people, to lead people, to see them grow, to protect them? There's a protective nature to shepherds. Do you have that inside your heart? Like, oh, they better not do that to my folks. All right, some of you know exactly what that feels like. You know exactly what that feels like. And that may be a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to continue to grow. And some of you in these gifts, you're, you're operating it great. You're working, you're doing it. And some of us are, again, just need to get that flame kind of rekindled or, or fired. And maybe just kind of simplifying things makes you go, wow, okay, I do have that gift. I hadn't really thought about that much. So shepherd, pastor. The last gift we'll talk about today is teacher. And in the Greek, pastor-teacher could be kind of one thing here. Uh, I know that John uh, King uh, believes that, and we've had some really good conversations about that. So they absolutely could be. But teacher just means instructor. But when we hear the word teacher, what do we think? I've got to stand up in front of a bunch of people. I've got to share. That's not what it's talking about. I've got to share in front of you know, 50 people, 40 people, or we think about school teachers and how they have 20 or 30 students and that that's, but you're like, but you know, you know, I don't know, but I, I, I like to teach and I feel like I'm gifted there, but man, standing in front of people makes me nervous. There is no prerequisite that you got to stand in front of a big group to be a good teacher, to be an instructor. I know some amazing teachers that are teachers with one, two, three people, and they just excel in a small group setting and they build up those people extremely, extremely well. On the flip side, I know some people, and I've, I've, I've seen this happen. I've been a part of a church where they were very talented about, they had a lot of knowledge. And they said, I'm a very gifted teacher. And I remember putting them in the role of a small group, and that small group went, because they weren't a gifted teacher, they were a gifted, they, they talked a lot. <laughs> but te- that's not the gift of teaching. Like, a teacher puts their student in the forefront. And I know you have teachers here that, that you'd, all you care about is your students. And what are you trying to do? Watch them grow. You want them to grow. You want them to exceed. You want to, to succeed and exceed expectations. You want them to do amazing things because they're, that's them. That's, that's who you care about. And so if you have that, 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 that gift in, in these circumstances, in these situations, usually it has to do with um, teaching the, the word, teaching about the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. Teaching about the kingdom of God has a lot of aspects to it. <laughs> it has teaching what the scriptures say. It has teaching our sons and daughters how to have good jobs. It has all that kind of stuff matters in the kingdom. I'm, we always narrow it down to like it has to be this. This Bible is full of all kinds of practical instruction for life. And I actually think that at Stones River, this is a, one of the most prominent gifts, if not probably the most prominent gift that we have here, that we have a lot of people that excel in the gift of teaching. So how do all these kind of come together? I was thinking about just like very practically, I'll just kind of bring up what we talked about last week, and even maybe in kind of our circumstances now, folks that have that apostolic gift that we talked about last week kind of go and lay the foundation in new territories. And it doesn't always have to be geography. It could be people groups. It could be a real heart for the Kurdish population, and they know how they go in, and they are just gifted. Again, because you may not feel like you're super gifted in one of these areas doesn't 
say that doesn't mean that you just go, well, I never have to do that. Okay? This is just, let's not, let's demystify it. This just means you're just more gifted in this area, right? They're the ones that go in and kind of lay the foundation and kind of have vision and have leadership that come in and people are like, all right, cool, let's do this. And the foundation's laid. And that's usually done with prophetic people. The prophetic people are usually throughout the whole process. They're usually saying, God is calling us this. I feel God saying this. I really feel strong. It doesn't have to be a thus saith the Lord. It can just be, man, I, just, I don't know. I feel this in my heart. I feel like this is the direction that we're headed. This is the direction to go. And I, I know with some of the stuff that we're doing right now, I've heard several people say that to me. Like, I just feel in my gut, this is it. We're on the right path. I think that that's God speaking to us. The evangelists are often on the front row. They're the ones that are going out and they're meeting new people and they're getting to share the good news. And, and uh, that's terrifying to some of us and that's exciting for others. But when we put all the pieces together, they need pastoral and teacher roles to be right there with them or they do not, the kingdom does not grow. They scatter a bunch of seed and no one waters a seed. And God doesn't give growth because no one's watering it because they're just, they're just scattering seed everywhere. So we need people like Apollos to come in when Paul goes in first and he says, what Paul, Paul planted, Apollos watered. He needed pastors, we need the teachers to water. And as they're watering, then God gives the growth when all the parts begin to work together. And so there's more gifts that we're going to talk about, y'all, but I just want us to think about those, and I want us to think about those with, you know, Inner City and with Mitchell Nielsen and all these things that we have going on. We did our first uh, helping family with, um, with LaToya. Uh, it was giving some mattresses. And if you're not on the text group, you can let Greg know. Greg's not here, but if you don't have Greg's phone number, I do. You can just get to, to me, but it's as simple as, I think we have like maybe 13 or 14 people on that. Latoya said that blah, 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 this family needs some air mattresses because their kids don't have anything to sleep on. If anyone wants to help, help. Cool. Like, and we were able to do that, and it was, I just sat back and watched it and thought, sweet. I didn't have to do anything. I'm going to get credit, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's my goal. Just to say I'm in the group and not have to actually do anything. <clears throat> it's like it's like changing your Facebook profile for a cause. I'm gonna click a button, but I don't really want to do nothing. All right, sorry. I just I just goof around on that. But let's ask ourselves, because these are not just like this is not just like good, like it's good in teaching, good information. We need everyone to be operating in their gifts to really excel here right? There are people who have initiated contact with Latoya. There are people, you're right, there are people who have laid kind of a foundation with Mitchell Nielsen. There's folks that have said, man, I feel like this is strong. And there are folks now that are serving. And, and as we get to know these people, hopefully there'll be opportunities to bring, to teach. There'll be opportunities to pastor and shepherd these folks and to care for them, right? I want to end on the sandwich, last sandwich bun of today of peace, love, joy, peace. And remind ourselves that I want us to continue, and the reason I've done this is I want us to continue to think about the gifts with the fruit, the gifts with the fruit. You're thinking about, you know, the apostolic gift, or we're talking about the gift of teaching, or we're talking about the gift of pastoring. Do I have that gift? Am I exhibiting joy in my gift? Am I exhibiting love, as we said last week? Remember, because Paul says, I can, I can sell everything I got, but if I didn't do it in love, that was an absolute waste of time. Am I exhibiting peace? God's characteristic of peace, why I'm in this, why I'm doing this gift, why I'm expressing this gift. Not just why I'm expressing the gift in my whole lifestyle. 
And I wrote shalom on here because that's not the Greek, that's the Hebrew, but I know when Paul wrote this, he's thinking of shalom. There's no doubt about it, he's a Jew. You go to Israel today, what are people going to say? Shalom, shalom, shalom. They've been saying it for years and years and years and years and years and years. I also really think that it's interesting that Jesus, when I hear the word peace, says, blessed are the, what? Peacemakers. For what? They will become children of God. So like literally saying the children of God are those who are going to bring peace. Are people who are, instead of bringing, the enemy brings destruction, he brings dissension. We've talked about unity this whole time. That's what he, he wants to break things up. But God said, blessed are those who actually take uh, things that are fights that people are having and frustrations that are people having, but there are people, blessed are you when you actually bring peace to those situations. And I thought about this a lot today too, because sometimes I think we, uh, we create false peace by just kind of sweeping things under the rug. Anyone done that? Even with your kids, right? Like, I just got to defuse the situation. But I don't think that that's real peace because then what happens? How many, we've done it with our spouses. Don't even play. Y'all know that. You, you, had a, you had a knockdown drag out. Me and my wife have never done that. That's a lie. Uh, yeah, I mean, the kids need to know, right? Like, the pastor argues with his wife sometimes. is <laughs> like, oh, don't talk about that. I'm just kidding. She doesn't care. Do you care? Probably should ask you ahead of time. Nope, she doesn't care. Um, but you do that, and then you just kind of ignore it, and you don't get to the root of the issue, and then what happens two weeks later? Here we go again, <laughs> right? Or maybe it's a month or two later, and it's really been festering for a while, and then it really it really blows up. So I want to I make mention that because I felt like the Lord kind of put that in my heart, that, that, peace, that part of peacemaking is kind of getting to the root of the issues and bringing those sides you know, together. The idea of shalom has to do with complete wholeness. That's, and we know that. I think many people have shared that here at Stones River. But it's wholeness in body, soul, and spirit. It's physical health. It's spiritual health. It's all those things. That this idea of shalom, financial, it really is. Like, that's, that is what it means. That's what whenever people say shalom, they're talking about this complete wholeness. And so God actually desires us to be whole. I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel. I'm just saying he, he wants us to be whole. And that's part of the fruit of the Spirit that we would be at peace, that we would be unified with one another, and that we would be whole. Isn't, I love the fruit of the Spirit, man. I'm excited about the gifts, but I'm having just as much fun with the fruit of the Spirit, I think, as, I'm, as I am with the gifts of the Spirit. So let's, let's just pray. Father, Father, I thank you for, I thank you for the gifts, Lord. I, I, Jesus, I thank you that you ascended on high to sit at the, th- at the right hand of the Father and that as you ascended, you gave gifts to us. That, and Lord, I ask forgiveness for any time and every time in my life where I haven't taken seriously the gifts that you've given, Father. And I ask that you would forgive me for any time and every time I've used them for myself and others, have, others in you haven't been the center. Because I know, Lord, that that's what you're saying, that the whole idea of these gifts is that others are at the center. And Father, I ask that for all of us here, Holy Spirit, that you would bring, like just that revelation, reveal the gifts that you have given us. Because your word says that you have. That maybe if there's something that we haven't realized, that as, as I've been speaking, Father, that if someone's going, man, maybe I have that gift. Father, I pray that we wouldn't just have the revelation of it, but we would do what Paul told Timothy last week, and that is to put them into practice. Even when we're unsure, 
that we would begin to operate in those and that, Lord, that we as Stones River would have grace and mercy. That when someone begins to walk in a gift, if they stumble a little, little, that we would have grace with those people, Lord. Because I pray they would have, they would have grace with me. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As they're singing, as always, I, I do want to leave it open to you at the end of the, this, um, this part of singing that if someone feels like they have something from the Lord, that we share that with everybody. So. Did anybody see this song coming? 